Welcome to EduBladder, a podcast discussing developments in Scottish education. In this episode, we discuss computational thinking with Kate Farrell, who is a teacher of computing science and heavily involved in leading change in this area. We also have a regular features in the news, inspired by, and we recommend. As ever, you can follow us on Twitter at EduBleather or visit our new blog, which is at edubleather.wordpress.com to engage in the conversation. Feedback so far has been absolutely fantastic and we're both overwhelmed with that. So thank you very much for that. In the news this month, one fifth of UK primary pupils aspire to be a sportsman while teaching is the second most popular career choice. We also have VET, social media and gaming, and police in the top five of categories that young people in primary school aspire to. Also in the news this month is the very hot topic of the teacher's pay increase. Uh, So there's been a 1% pay increase, which will be backdated from April to January, which we should have this month. And then obviously there's going to be the further 1% increase from January to this coming April, where the review will take place again. And this is our first episode of 2018, so it wouldn't be right if we didn't mention the Year of Young People, um, which is a new initiative to put the forefront our young people's voice in Scottish education. Yeah. And that young people is defined up until 26, so we just miss out on that. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks very much, Kate, again for uh, joining us on our episode three on computational thinking. Um, So Kate, you're heavily involved, I wonder, in computing science education, I wonder if you could just give us a wee overview of what you've been involved in over the last uh, wee while in computing education. Uh, I always struggle with this question because I I seem to have my fingers in so many pies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am a computing science teacher in secondary. So I currently teach three days a week at Belerna High School. Um, I also do um, other work with various projects, um, a lot with Edinburgh University at the moment. So I'm working with a couple of different departments there, um, including Murray House, where we've we've been working with the Girl Guide Association, developing their resources for computational thinking for for brownies and guides and rainbow meetings and things, which has been great fun. Um, Previously, I've worked with computing at schools and I've worked with Nesta developing resources and um, support for teachers across Scotland uh-huh. and I've also worked with uh, Code Clan recently so Code Clan are a, a computing uh, or an organisation teaching uh, computing skills to uh, young people who have left school um, so helping get them set up as a as a, an SQA centre. Okay wow and in terms of um the experience that you've you've been involved in is there one thing that you think actually I really enjoyed that project or that that role the most or have had that's had the biggest impact on on my practice I think the thing I'm most proud of recently has been um over the last four years three four years I've worked with um academics in Scotland um, from Edinburgh University Glasgow University and Strathclyde and together we it was before the curriculum change, before um, computing, um, the curriculum for excellence updated to have new computing outcomes. Okay. Um, and we we were working for about two or three years before that point going, we need to get the curriculum changed. Mm-hmm. What do we want to change it to? Okay. Um, and 
there is no answer to that anywhere in the world. Yeah. No one has a, a, a good answer to this is what we should teach children in terms of computing. Um, so it was fairly daunting, but it was a really, really interesting project, just sort of brainstorming across with, um, with academics, with uh, teachers, with people from Education Scotland, mm-hmm. um, with primary and secondary teachers, and going, well, what, what do we need young people to learn about? Uh, what do what are the building blocks we need to set in place so that when they by the time they get to secondary school and, and choose computing if they choose computing that they need but also what what do young people need to learn in primary and early secondary to set them up for those skills for life with they're not going to be a software engineer mm-hmm. what do they need for for most other jobs so that was really fascinating looking at that and and together we um, developed a book um, called teaching computing science um, aimed at primary school teachers and early years teachers um, and so that was great fun to, to work on and uh-huh. just right, what, what are the best things what are the most fun things we can do in primary school to help teachers who've never taught computing before and who are really apprehensive about it um, and what, what can we do to go you're, you're probably already doing a lot of this mm-hmm. and here's some fun things you can do and in terms of the work the defining what, what we want from our, our computing science education what was the outcome from that? So, you know, what were the big messages or themes that actually need to be included in our education system? Right. So um, in Scotland, we, we've we taken the opportunity to do something different from the rest of the world. So the rest of the world have really focused on coding. Mm-hmm. And um, whether it's the education departments or if it's big companies who are financing um, uh um, sort of uh, enrichment programs and uh, extracurricular activities. So there's a, a huge emphasis on coding. Kids should learn to code. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we're not. We're just teaching them to follow step by step. You know, mm-hmm. type this in, do this, yeah. brag this block there, and we're not teaching the understanding behind it. Mm-hmm. And so what we focused on is a kind of three strands. We have. Um, in the book, they're still called cells. We know they're not called cells anymore, significant aspects of learning. But yeah. we've got these three strands. And the first strand is understanding the important concepts. Because you've got to understand the concept before you can do anything with it. Sure. So it might be understanding the concept of loops, that you can do same, something again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And it might be you learn that through doing party games, through doing songs, um, through doing playground games, and trying to figure out, well, what are the steps we're doing again and again and again? Um, and then it's playing about with the, the language of it. The middle strand is all about learning to read the language, learning to understand the technology that's using this, um, the technology and the languages. And so it might be playing about with um, laminated blocks from scratch, for example. So a, 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 a language aimed for kids on learning how to program, but let's pull the, the blocks out and just start using might be arrow blocks for for early years. Just can we follow a set of arrow blocks, or can we follow a set of instructions? Can we read this? What happens if we turn it around? Can we figure out what's going to happen if we do if we switch those blocks around? And just playing about with the language, learning how to read programs. We keep stip- skipping the step around the world. We keep skipping the step when we're trying to teach programming. We've been skipping the step for years teaching programming at schools, universities. We forget to teach reading. Mm-hmm. And we go straight on to coding. And for so many, so many times I've seen, and I've done it myself, we, we go, right, here's a program up on the board. Type this into your computer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 
and then go, let's change it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and you change the formula so it does something different. Um, and, and we forget, we've got to teach that reading stage. We've got to teach kids what, what this language does, what the blocks do, what the tools do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the big difference that we've got in Scotland that the rest of the world haven't really got at the moment. Sure. We've got this reading strand. And then the last strand is creating. Can we can we make things using the understanding that we've got and the, the the knowledge of the tools that we've got? Can we then build something with it? That's fantastic. Thanks, Fideki. Um I, I love the resource that you've created, the Teaching Computing Science. I actually um, attended a, a course that ran across the whole year at Murray House last year with um, Professor Judy Robertson. Um, and we kind of got a wee bit of an early sneak peek at the document before it was before it was actually released. I don't know if I'm meant to say that or not. Um, That's okay, I remember. But it was, um, it was just fantastic. And I, I would really recommend that resource. It's actually just a, a one-stop shop for uh, teaching computational thinking and computing science I think it's wonderful and I think um, one of the big uh, questions I have I've got a couple of questions around this so if you bear with me can can you just and I think maybe we're, we're maybe uh, over uh, looking this bit first but just for people there might be some listeners to the show just now that um, don't actually know what we mean by computational thinking could you just maybe give us an overview of what what you define computational thinking as uh, I, I think my my internal de- definition is maybe a little different. I, I, I simplify it down to logical thinking and problem solving. Just just trying to get kids to think logically, step yeah. by step, um, and, and solve problems. And we haven't we haven't really included problem solving and logical thinking in the curriculum. No one teaches it as a as a thing itself. You know, can we solve these logic problems? Can we solve this this problem? Um, and what, what were the steps we used to solve that problem? Um, we, we, we talk about problem solving a lot, and it's, it's, it's one of the sort of core skills as part of the SQA. But teaching it outright, we've, we've not, I, I don't think, I've, I've not re- certainly not really taught it before. And it's, it's not um, logical, logic isn't covered in the curriculum, hasn't been covered in the curriculum before, included in the curriculum. So I, I kind of think, lo- thinking logically, solving problems. So, when it, so solving problems by breaking down a problem, trying to think about what, what bits of the problem do we need to, to, to do first before we can solve the big problem. So breaking that problem down and then thinking, well, have we solved problems like this before? You know, have we done something similar to this that we could maybe adapt? You know, do we have a solution for this already that we can we can use, or can we tweak something? So, thinking, breaking problems down, seeing patterns in the in the problems um, that we've maybe solved before, and seeing if we can do things again and again. You know, can we see a pattern of how to simplify something? So, the problem might be let's tidy the classroom at the end of the day. It doesn't have to be a computing problem. It can be just how do we think in a logical way about how do we tidy the classroom? How can we turn that into a sort of streamlined process that everybody knows their little bit of the process? Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, uh, hearing you speak about it um, is is just wonderful. And I, I mean, I would say that I'm a convert myself. I love the um, approach that it's based on thinking and it's about it's really bringing to the fore that sort of metacognitive discussion about thinking about 
how we think, how we learn, uh, and breaking that down into these terms and giving them the specific terms like debugging or logical thinking and problem solving is great. And I've, I've seen the impact that can have on on learners as, as young as primary one or even in the nursery, do you know? Um, but my next question, I suppose, would be... Um, Whenever I've been speaking to colleagues about this, uh, and I'm responsible for sort of delivering some training in my school, uh, some of the anxieties I get or the concerns that I get is why it's too early to be doing this in nursery or uh, younger children might not understand these terms, you might not get anything out of that. What would you say to our sort of early years uh, colleagues who are maybe anxious to get started with computational thinking and computing science? What would your advice be? Okay, um, so if you if you Google for computational thinking, um, you will get a lot of terms like decomposition, and I don't I don't think it's necessary necessary to know the terms or to use the terms with young people, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the problems that have come from particularly the English curriculum, where these are in the curriculum and, and young people are supposed to know decomposition and algorithm. That's not, that's not necessary. It, what's important is the kids starting to think in a in a logical way, in a step by step way. Um, and getting in a nursery can be as simple as what are the steps we use to get ready to go and play when if it's raining. You know, we've got to make sure our boots are on. We've got to make sure our raincoats on. We've got to put a jumper on. But we've got to put the jumper on before we put the jacket on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it can just be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Just just starting to think step by step. What what are the steps we need for that process? And do you think people are put off by this this term computational thinking that actually, you know, if we took computing science out of it, actually it's just about logic and, you know, step-by-step process. Do you think we're overcomplicating it by, you know, is that part of the anxiety of some teachers that they're thinking yeah, absolutely. it's more complicated? And, and people have had such a bad experience about computing. We, mm-hmm. we, we make it so difficult in our schools because of the budgetary constraints, because of the technology constraints, because of the filtering systems we put in our schools, because of the systems we put in place to block software or make it really difficult to install software, all those things. Yeah. People have now become come to associate going to the computer room or getting the, the classroom in a box out as a negative thing. Um, we do not need computers to teach computing think, computational thinking. We do not need computers to take compu- teach computing science even. Mm-hmm. Um, we've tried really hard in the book to make sure we're not relying on any particular technology, um, that we've tried to make it as, as cheap as possible. We've not specified any, you must have this robot, you must have a B-bot, or you must have whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's not necessary. It's it's all about just starting to think about information and processes. Mm-hmm. Just just what what information do we know about the the objects we have around us? So, you know, we have Duplo blocks or Lego blo- Lego blocks in the nursery. You know, could the kids tidy those up? How could they sort them? Would they sort them in colour? Would they sort them by shape? Do we put all the the four by two Lego blocks together, or do yeah. we put all the red blocks together? Yeah. What do we do with the block that doesn't fit any of our categories? You know, how do we start to think about the information about the world around us? How classify it? And the processes of doing things step by step and looping and making selections. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think actually, uh, firsthand, I've seen the impact it can have uh, on um, young learners when they're getting uh, when they're getting these experiences and being able to think like this and being able to sort of classify their thoughts in such a way it can have such a hugely impact on their learning across the curriculum. 
And it just builds a much uh, sort of stronger understanding when it comes to literacy, for example, or, or maths as well. And I think it's such a great opportunity for them that if they're building that in from the earliest of stages, even at the nursery stage, if that's our approach towards learning and thinking and problem solving, that's going to stand them in such good stead when they're moving into the senior phase. Mm-hmm. And when, when we sort of get on more towards that sort of um, third significant aspect, uh, when they're actually really getting into the thinking about the coding and the languages in a much sort of higher level, um, I think it just it really lays the foundations for it quite well. Absolutely. One of the interesting things we did, um, and I think Glasgow University have carried on this research, is start thinking about the people who are involved in computing at, at university and the people who are computing teachers and working as software engineers. What did they do when they were kids mm-hmm. to give them those skills? Mm-hmm. Um, so we tried to, to try and find as many different things that, that people did before there was before people used computer uh, learned computing in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 cool things. It's like playing a different playing a musical instrument, learning to read music. It's knitting. It's um, mm. you know doing logic puzzles or brainstorms or um, making three D shapes or playing with Meccano or Duplo or you know all all these different things give some aspect of that computational thinking, Mm -hmm. whether it's thinking step by step and following a set of Lego instructions, or even thinking about, well, I want to build a giant Lego um, tower (laughs) with a garage at the top, and well, I I then need a a road that goes up to that. How am I going to do that? What are the the structures I'm going to have to put in place in order to get a road going up my tower? Mm -hmm. Um, And so kids can be doing all of those things and be having fun and be learning and be playing and be learning these computational thinking skills, the, the, the logical thinking and the step-by-step process skills. You're right. As soon as I uh, told the children in my class that we could do computational thinking through match attacks cards, they were uh, <laughs> they completely bought in. So I, I've, I've had to start collecting match attacks cards now. <laughs> so moving Top on. Trump's cards, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so looking now into the, the kind of later stages of, of the BG, so levels three and four now, Kate, We've had issues, obviously, in the past about are we is our curriculum fit for purpose in terms of preparing young people for the senior phase? You know, so young people have been learning how to word process, use spreadsheets, and actually, it's been more about more IT and admin-based tasks, and that's been difficult to translate that when we're looking at coding, problem solving, information systems in the senior phase. Do you think we've solved that problem now in Scottish education that? Actually, we're now recognising computing science as a subject rather than IT. I think so. I think it's getting more difficult, though. Uh, we've got the new curriculum, but we're we're losing computing teachers. So there's more and more schools now who don't have a computing teacher. Sure. Yeah. And that's where we're having the problems where um, uh, head teachers, when when asked, well, how do you teach this curriculum without a computing teacher, will say, well, we teach typing and business yeah. studies instead or yeah. we're teaching this across the board you know I really don't think you are yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah there is still very definitely this misconception that computing is typing skills it's it's business skills it's using the computer not programming the computer and making the computer do what we want it to do mm-hmm. and understanding how the computer works um, the, 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 uh, the example given is kind of um, how to drive a car rather than how to how to know how the car works and the mechanics of it and being able to fix it. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think where we've got computing teachers in place, um, particularly where we've got computing teachers who've gone off and done the the Plan C pro, uh, program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had a professional learning and networking in computing um, project that was government funded that ran over a couple of years, and it's it's still going in some areas, which is great. Great, that's good Teachers got together and they talked about, um, they, they learned about the new research into teaching computing science and they learned interesting new ways uh, and ways to adapt their teaching to um, make sure that they're understanding misconceptions, for example, that young people are getting. And if they, they change their teaching so that they're getting over those misconceptions, young people learn those foundation skills much, much better. We've gone away from a a viewpoint that computing teachers long had of, well, you know, there's just some kids that will never learn to program. Mm -hmm. And we've got over that and gone, well, no, any kid can learn this. If we teach the skills right, if we teach it well, if we get over those misconceptions, then any kid can program. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether every kid wants to program or not, that's a different matter. (laughs) But uh, we've got away from this mindset that there are some kids that will never be able to do this. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's not true. Um, any kid can do this if they want to. Absolutely. Um, and I guess we've also looked at our curriculum as well. So I know you in the past have taught things like digital media computing and looked at the National Progression Awards as well as, you know, the national qualifications. That seems to have helped in terms of broadening what opportunities are out there. That if you don't want a programme, there is computing can still be a, a subject choice for you if it's offered in your school. Yeah, certainly gives far more interesting applications for those computing skills. So we have, um, for for senior phase, we've got what are called uh, National Progress Awards, NPAs, which are national qualifications. Um, when I started introducing them, they didn't count for um, the statistics of how many kids have got whatever level, you know, national five, level five and level yeah. six, mm-hmm. whereas they do now. Um, so that was the obstacle I encountered when I was at Castlebury trying to introduce these. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was fortunate that, that at Castlebury we had a lot of opportunities to just change the curriculum, find something that would work better with the kids that we had who wanted to wanted to learn but were struggling with exams particularly. Um, and so, yeah, the National Progress Awards are you, you build up portfolios of evidence and you, you um, collect uh, evidence saying, you know, I can do this, I've written this, I've, I've taken a photo and I've adapted it and I've tweaked it and I've added filters and all sorts. Um, and there's a really huge range of topics that can be done of units and these units pull together to be National Progress Awards, usually three units. Uh, become a, a national progress award so there's digital media computing which is um image editing audio editing and video editing mm-hmm. um i've just started teaching that again with with my class at, at Belerno high school um and we've got a computer games development course and there's um app development now as well Great, so you can go yeah. and make uh, mobile mobile apps um th- there's just some really in- and, and computer animation there's some just really engaging um situations for learning there um that, that are just for the kids who are struggling for the kids who who don't quite see the point in in stru- battling through national five or even higher if if they don't want to go and become software engineers uh-huh. then there's some some fun courses that they can use can do and learn about and do you think that's how you know we need to market that a wee bit better as a as a computing science colleagues? You know, making sure that 
there we can see clear progression pathways into university, into college, into jobs. And um, because you know, in terms of that creativity and the landscape out there, that's changing all the time in terms of you know startup companies. So do we need to be better at marketing that? Yeah, and it's, it's becoming a, it's making sure everyone's aware that those are available and those are mm-hmm. options, um, and and helping parents realise that it's not a, a failure option. Yeah. It, it's it's an equally valid option. Yeah. It will it will count as a as a, a level five qualification. It's getting getting helping parents understand the SEQF framework um, and understand that there are other options other than just nationals and hires. Um, and, and understanding that these are great stepping stones onto college, um, you can even build them all up. So you can you can do several NPAs over NPAs over several years that then combine up to become national qualifications, yeah. uh, national certificates, the equivalent of first and second year at college. And, and schools are able to offer these and don't have to mm-hmm. go through approval paperwork and things. They, they, these are available now straight away. Uh-huh. And and you think what is the barrier at the moment? You mentioned there about um, obviously recruitment and computing science teachers. You mentioned understanding of parents and and previously there was issues about accreditation as part of the the school qualifications program. Are there any remaining barriers that you think are still there? Yeah, teacher time. I, I think for for teachers to change qualification to develop to teach a new qualification, teacher time is a big barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where teachers need to get better at sharing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, if we can pull together little communities of people teaching digital media computing or computer games development or animation, whatever it might be, and pull together and go, right, I, I've got a form for this unit. I've got resources for that unit mm-hmm. and sharing their sharing their resources, that's whether that's on the Computing at Schools Forum, whether it's on CompEdNet, the Computing Teachers Forum for Scotland, mm-hmm. wherever it might be. I think teachers need to get better asking for help, but also responding to those requests for help as well. Yeah. And speaking of which, uh, that kind of segues quite nicely onto our next question there. Um, just for, for our listeners who might be interested in computational thinking, they might be thinking about getting started with it at, at all levels across across um, both kind of early and primary and into secondary as well. Um, they might be thinking, right, what are the resources? How do I get involved in, in this? Um, could you just maybe recommend some of your favourite resources, some of your favourite websites? Oh, you've, you've spoke about your, your book, obviously, Teaching Computing Science, which I would say would be the best, <laughs> the best first port of call. But what about beyond that? What, what would you say? Well, it, um, the, the book itself is available for free at teachcs.scot. And what we did was we looked at all the resources that were available. So, for example, Barefoot Computing, which has been coming into Scotland. Um, and we, we took the the resource, the activities from those resources, avail- resources um, from all around the world, and we've grouped them into those three strands, those three cells, and the, the appropriate level. So... Um, it, it links to, if you're teaching early years, it's got all the resources that we could find that link to that. Um, so, yeah, so the, the book is available for free. The Computing at Schools Forum is a great starting point as well. It's available. Anybody can go along and join the forum. And there is um, forums for primary and for secondary. And there's also a forum for No Question Too, too Stupid, I think it's called. <laughs> um, and it's it's a huge forum and it's a very supportive forum. Um, there, there's a lot of traffic there. So um, you, if you ask a question, you will get an answer. Um, there, there will be people there to, to help you and support you. 
um, and computing teachers in Scotland. There's the, the CompEdNet forum, which is available. Mm-hmm. And I think most teachers in Scotland, computing teachers in Scotland are available there. And yeah, there's also the, the barefoot computing uh, resources as well. So there are workshops happening around Scotland with the with Education Scotland and BT are running those. Um, so you can go along and, and do a, a, a workshop on computational thinking and different activities for that and they'll give you more support through uh, through trying to implement that as well brilliant thanks for that Kate we'll make sure that we put links to all those uh, websites and uh, uh, your book into our show notes notes as well definitely Um, so I suppose just to wrap things up then Kate and uh, let's just get this this, uh, ball this the kind of look forward into the future and think about what's going to be happening can you just sort of think forward maybe five to ten years and think about either what do you think is going to be happening in terms of computing science and computational thinking or or even what would you hope would be happening in in schools so um computing is is two things computing is processes and it's information it's how we how we look at um processes happening again and again so that's that's the programming side of things but we also have this information side and we've we've not been very good at teaching this as much um particularly primary because we don't have the right tools there so i'm hoping that we'll get better tools for teaching um the information side of things and i think that's going to become more and more popular as as big data and data science come along um Certainly in the, Ed- in the Edinburgh Lothians area, I think data science is going to become a big thing because we're um, part of a, a city deal for data science. So there's lots of interesting work happening in data science coming yeah. up in terms of health, da- data in terms of health, in terms of space, in terms of robotics. How do we use lots and lots of information and pull out the interesting pieces in it? How do we answer the questions we have using huge data sets that are available to us online for free? So I think that's going to become a really interesting side of computing that that will pull together both computing teachers, but also math teachers, social science teachers, um, lots of different different parts of the curriculum coming together to go, right, how, how can we look at the questions we've got whether it's about our society, whether it's about information that's stored about us, whether it's information we, we need to solve answers and questions that we have in other subjects. How do we get that information from online sources and take the information we we can get from there and represent it in an interesting way? How do we make uh, graphs that, that answer our questions? How do we pull out that information in a way that's also updating and changing as the information updates updates live. I think there could be lots of interesting work there happening soon. Yeah. Great. Well, Kate, thank you so much for your interview. It's been a real pleasure and it's been so interesting just to have a whistle-stop tour of everything that's been going on both in the past and also looking ahead to the future. I think it's quite an exciting time um, for young people to be involved um, in computing and computational thinking. And thanks very much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Our next section is Inspired By. So this month we're asking Jude what's inspired him. So Jude, tell us, what's inspired you this month? Um, So this month I've been inspired by the Digital Schools uh, Award. Um, Okay, what's that? Tell us more. Yeah, so it's it's a really good uh, award, a programme that's set up to give recognition to schools for the work that they're doing in terms of digital innovation within their curriculum, basically. Okay, so are there different levels to the award? Um... 
No, I think you're actually getting, uh, you're awarded a digital school or, or not, basically. Okay. It's, it's quite a binary thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really fantastic process because um, for, for me, the, the self-evaluation toolkit that comes along with it is the really inspiring thing. Um, it's, it's, it asks you a huge range of questions and it breaks up um, what you should be doing as a digital school. It breaks it up into sort of quite key areas like leadership and vision, digital technology and the curriculum, school culture, professional development, uh, and also looks at the infrastructure and resources and it asks you really insightful questions that really make you sort of take stock of where you are um, on that journey towards becoming a digital, digital school. Okay, so it's a useful tool for teachers to make use of um, in trying to improve technology, but also within the curriculum. Across the curriculum? Across the curriculum, yeah. And actually, that's one thing that it takes quite um, specific note of, that it's not just about how good are you at teaching specifically computing or computing principles. It actually is about how do you involve technology in your planning and in your assessment toolkit and okay. what opportunities are staff given uh, or encouraged to go out and uh, seek continuous professional development. Okay. You know, it's, it, it asks it across the wide range in life of a school, not just how good are you at uh, teaching digital technology. It takes everything else into and it's something for primary and secondary schools they could make use of and early years provision? Yes, it is. Um, I think the, the, the toolkit itself, the self-evaluation toolkit, is uh, quite um, open-ended. It's just about your establishment, really. Um, there's resources on there, and um, I've been in touch with the people behind it as well. They're really quite um, approachable, and they're wanting to help. The great thing about the, the toolkit, the sort of the assessment process, is that you go through the self-evaluation process on your own, but it saves your answers for you. Um, you have to achieve 70% in each of the categories um, from your self-evaluation, but for some areas we're not at that level yet but it's great because it keeps it and it knows I know exactly where I need to go from it so I can develop my next steps from that in terms of creating the digital strategy going forward as well so it's a really useful tool that if you don't think you're in the place yet or you think even you're a couple of years away from it I still think it's worthwhile going to 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 start in the assessment process now because it saves it Okay, and if you want to find out more, where do our listeners go? Listeners should go to digitalschoolsawards.co.uk Thanks, Jude. Excellent. Our last feature of the podcast is We Recommend. So, Jace, what do you recommend for us? So, this episode, I really want to talk about LinkedIn. Um, as you know, LinkedIn is uh, an online site, um, a professional networking site, um, it's mainly used in the private sector, but increasingly um, teachers from the public sector are putting themselves on LinkedIn. It's a really good way of just sharing networks, so having professional learning communities. Um, good way to find people who are similarly minded to you um, and, and just share ideas. Uh, I don't know if you've used it at all. I, I've used it, but when I was working in the private sector, actually, ah, right. uh, and I think I think it's a wonderful thing that teachers are getting involved in it now because it actually creates that opportunity for professional dialogue and for also just keeping track of your own story and what you do and what your journey has been in education as well. Definitely. So I would recommend that you you join LinkedIn and that you start creating your own professional learning networks. So that's the end of our third episode on computational thinking. Thanks very much to our special guest, Kate Farrell, for her contribution. We'd 
just also like to thank you all for listening uh, and for your contributions on Twitter and for keeping the conversation going uh, throughout the month. Obviously, you can follow us at EduBleather um, and also please check out our new blog, edubleather.wordpress.com. There's going to be an article up there very soon on computational thinking based on the discussion that we had with Kate Farrell. Uh, But we'll also link to everything that she mentioned within this show and we'll also put in some recommendations of our own. In our next episode, we will be having another special guest, um, Fergal Kelly, um, who will be talking to us about unpacking leadership. And if you'd like to get involved and be part of the show, then please get in touch with us because we'd love to hear your voice.